Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. Testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, testing. We, we has the beef. Really? There's beef? I didn't know there was going to be beef. There's beef. Ready, ready, steady? I think so. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we're at Chapter 13. We're at the arcade. We're still playing as Kira. And Z, playing as Kira, turns around, and there he sees Og. What was it, age 16? Yeah, yeah, 16 years age old. 16? A, a very unawkward time for most people, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, everybody's got that shit together, as we will soon see. And she's beat, just finished beating one of the toughest games on a single quarter. Now, I would object that Ninja Princess was the toughest game to beat on a single quarter at that time, but we'll save that argument potentially for never. Well, I, well no, no, I want to make the argument right now, because frankly, the the first book goes into a lot of detail about Black Tiger being that one quarter game that you know what I don't know if it was the most difficult game, but from gameplay that I saw of both Black Tiger and this game, Black Tiger looks way more Pac-Man. Pac-Man yeah. is harder. Even Pac yeah, even Pac-Man's harder. It, we don't even have to really argue this. It's just it's a throwaway line. Maybe it maybe maybe as a kid at the time it seemed like the hardest game. I, I don't know. I, I, we talked about this last chapter. Yeah, so let, let's not Let's not go into it again. Let, let's get back to... Well, we'll end up just thing. pulling back down into Ninja Princess. Yeah. That that odd, odd game. But we we are faced with a situation wherein Halliday wants to leave. He tries to cock block Og by saying, uh, I got to leave now. He throws basically money at his chest. That, that, didn't that just read like a movie script or something? Like you, like you've seen that in movies and TV shows before, where you just kind of like throw the bill at somebody and it like hits their chest, bounces on the floor. It like, feels like like it feels like a memory. Like your memories aren't ever real. Like they're never complete. But it's those key moments, those key points. Like maybe you gave him a dollar, maybe you gave him some change. But yeah, it reads like a a a, a script. Where every moment is kind of like a key moment that he doesn't he doesn't just frown or doesn't pitch a fit. He stomps his foot on the floor, right? It says, "No, I want to go now," yeah. right? And you're kind of like, "Who does that?" Now, that's not to say it couldn't happen, or somebody wouldn't freak out. But but again, I think what we're looking at here is the interpretation of a memory, and I, we can get into that in a bit. But just just to to, to blow through and get to the the bits that we want to really chat on digging into in that moment where he stomps his right foot, he turns into a masked black clad ninja and Kira yeah. turns into that red silk live action representation of princess Caribbean. And 
the end of this really is quite simple. She kicks his ass or Z kicks his ass and, and he doesn't die per se. He just falls to his knees and cries mm -hmm. and everything kind of wisps and whirls away. And the next shard is presented. And now we're back to Og where he gifts her a necklace and says, I love you. And she feels all the gushiness and then poof, he's back in front of the portal. Like it just kicked his butt out of reality and, and back in with the team. You know, where they're kind of like, dude, you did it. And I and I will give it a note here is that that as part of character growth, you, you kind of look for the little things that show that a character is changing. So when he's like, no, we did it. We did it together. It wasn't just me going through it. I needed all of us to do this. Again, that's that, that moment of writing where we're starting to sprinkle in the, the dash of pepper that equals uh, character change, I think. To me, that just felt like, that's typical line in an 80s movie. Like, yeah, no, oh, we all no. did it. We did we it together. Did it. Goonies never say die, right? Yeah. Or Space Camp, you know, no, we all did it. We all did, did it. it together. There are no small roles. And uh, that was what came to my mind when the whole, like, no, we did it thing was like, oh, here we go. Exactly. So now they're left with this an additional inscription recast the foul, restore his ending. Andy's first fate still needs mending. I Ooh. instantly knew what this was in reference to. We'll get into that in a minute, though, Ooh. because the team starts going through. They start hitting like Andy from Goonies. Nope. Wrong, wrong, wrong spelling of Andy. You know, that's that. Or maybe Andy McDowell from Puxatani. We're referencing Puxatani Phil in Groundhog's Day. Or maybe it's her role in The Legend of Tarzan, to which... Z puts a giant halt on that and says, come on, folks, we're beating around the bush here. We're talking about pretty and pink to which half the team is like, Ugh. and the other half is like, yes. Well, really it's two thirds to one third that, you know, don't like it. I, I was, when, well, when we well, got to two this two thirds part, to one third, who's the one third? Well, cause Z likes it. And so does. Okay, but she's right. not she she's not there in this she particular moment. She shows up like thirty shows, seconds okay, later. All right, fine. Then in that case, yes, it's a fifty-fifty split. And the thing is, like, how does anybody go through that original contest and not just really enjoy those movies? Oh, okay. Go through the original contest and not enjoy those movies. Well, you know what? There's some shit that's a drag. I I hate to bring back Brazil. It is a highly rated movie. We did watch it and as it part of what we do. And other people evidently loved it. It's mind boggling. It's mind blowing. We are going to shit on that movie every forever. chance we get. Freaking ever. Okay. I mean, this is, but that's a good example, right? There's just going to be shit that some people like. And I hate to break it to you. Like, I didn't see all of. Uh, John Hughes films like I think I I've seen either. most of them but frankly that missed me right you had these teenage love stories teenage epics that were coming out teenage thinkers if you will and uh, that hit me at a time when I was like in my preteens I had no interest in this crap right I was on my bike I was I was the kid delivering the newspaper to all these jackasses in the nice $2. houses. $2. $2, exactly. So I I don't have to tell you, like some of these movies didn't hit me. As I'd mentioned in earlier shows, and, and we I think we did a review of the movie 
pretty in pink or or no 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 it wasn't yeah. pretty in pink it was what 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 the hell's the one breakfast where, club thank you breakfast club where i watched breakfast club and that kind of gave my rundown on it and i have a whole new appreciation for breakfast club so i'm not shitting on breakfast club but at the same time like it had nothing it i had it wasn't relevant to me at the time so i missed the boat but, my wife's yeah. first movie was pretty in pink so she like has this connection to that like she loved the blaine character in that movie when i saw that movie i was like team ducky i'm like why John John Cryer is smooth as hell. I thought in that movie, like I wanted to be Ducky, right? It's it, it's just, a, but I get it. Like it's a different perspective. And as it turns out, as it turns out, and we will get to we, we get to that is that that it 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 turns out that yeah, it, evidently that's the key to figuring out this cryptic little message scrolled on the crystal. But more importantly, though, everybody gets dressed up. They're ready to head out to Shermer, planet yeah. Shermer, right? Artie, Fuck yeah. Artie gets gets Artie shows up. She finds out where they're going. She's totally awesome with it. It gets decked out with her elven sword, double pistols, fingerless gloves, ready to go. And we have a moment where the team reflects on on what the hell is going. What in the name of Crom is going on? Right, because we start talking about the siren soul, we start reflecting a little bit on the experience that Z had, and what happens when we put the pieces together, and they're kind of boiling it down to the fact that they believe that if it's possible for Halliday to be in the simulation, to be in the sim- a copy of Halliday's mind in the simulation, that maybe even though the time doesn't quite match up, that maybe these shards are Kira. That somehow they mapped her mind to put her in the Oasis. And they're still scratching their head over it and still trying to figure out, like, what would be the end result of that, right? What's the end game there? Because if she didn't love him, she didn't... It almost feels like if this was her memories, it feels like she didn't like him. These are her memories of this experience that might be exaggerated because, like you said, it kind of is like somebody has written a play or a, a movie, and these kind of points pop out as being sort of dramatic, if you will, not very realistic. It it, it does it it made me ask a lot of questions about this whole idea about the the ONI doing the brain scan and like you're replaying back memories. If it if it's if you create a playback of like a really old memory, right mm-hmm. now. Your memory isn't going to be super crystal clear on that, or at least your your personal playback of that memory. Like you might have exaggerated details, like you were just saying, but like, well, maybe maybe Halliday was, you know, came off as more of a jerk as she recalled it. Sure. Right. You know, so I was just kind of like wondering, like, so if this thing is doing these scans and like making a consciousness, so to speak. And like you can, you know, search and find memories. Is it going to play back the way you would play it back, or, or is there somewhere hidden in the deep crevices of your mind, like as true to life a recording of those memories as possible? Well, I have done some amateur hypnosis back in the day, and and part of that amateur hypnosis is taking people back through memories. And it's interesting because uh, first off, you can't you can't 
necessarily say as a matter of fact that memories are 100% accurate. You will have accurate moments that you recall, but your eyesight, your brain fills in a lot of stuff. And more importantly, there's a little bit of overlap between your waking state and the, the what your mind reserves as something it should hold on to in long-term memory storage when you sleep versus what it's going to let go from your short-term memory storage when you're awake, right? Because that's what your sleeping is. It would have to be, especially if it's like an interactive re replay of like a memory. Sure. Like your brain has to fill in where like the quote-unquote recording of your memory, you know, has those gaps. It has to. Sure. So like there's, it's like set up to be inaccurate. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that's okay because, like you said, the it's it's a bit like a movie. It's a bit extreme in how you feel about someone, and those moments that really pop for you can be exaggerated. In fact, there's there's a whole study on false memories that that people can have that that you can inject through suggestion into people's minds, convincing them that they remembered something that never occurred, that they were never a part of, and that might seem wholly unusual. Uh it, it, but the brain is a weird place. Like the, the brain is a is a just a it's a simulation engine, and it it is very possible to convince your mind that something is going on, that there is a reality that is that is disjointed from actuality, right? An internal reality, and that you see hints of it, and that reinforces that reality. And where there's conflicts, you make up excuses, right? I think we see a lot of that today in a number of places. So it, the, the brain is a strange place. So I think it's totally possible that you're talking about moments of exaggerated experience that is bespeckled with filler to kind of, to kind of again, fill out the scene, if you will. Yeah, there, so there has to be. Has yeah. to be. Has to be. So, so the idea here is, and they're contemplating what's going on. First off, they don't have a lot of time to think about this, but they are kind of trying to piece it together. But they basically realize that what what is the end game or, or could they potentially use all of the shards as a mean of bartering or, or potentially luring Halliday into a trap? And I don't know how much foreshadowing that's really going to let on. Or maybe if it's a situation where they mention it here or it becomes a Chekhov's gun and they don't mention it in the future. But that doesn't it, it, that doesn't it, seem to be holiday. That doesn't seem to be Ernest style. So I suspect that they mention it here. They're going to think of something like that in the future. My guess is that it's not going to work. I, I would tell you I can't say anything because I don't want to give it away. The problem is I don't <laughs> remember that specifically. Oh, okay. So I'm I. It's almost like you're know. reading this for the first time. This is fantastic. I love this. It's weird, even though I know exactly what's going to happen. The, the overarch, right? The big the details. Yeah, the big details I know. It, the little tiny thing, like I've, cause I've only read it, you know, once plus what we're doing now. So I'm not uh, as learned in this as I am the first book. So in some ways, yes, this, the further along we go, the further it is from the first time I read a chapter. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> so all right the team is off to Shermer, and and that yes. boom the chapter's over so Fuck tell yeah. me something that struck you here like what what popped out at you something that that you liked you didn't like what hit you here 
Well, I mean, first and foremost, even though it's just starting at the end, I'm super fucking excited about going to Shermer. Okay. But we can get to that later. Uh, so I, I no. thought... Oh, yeah, that's true, because, you know, right, Shermer's coming soon. Yeah. So you, you ended this book, or you ended this chapter with the absolute cliffhanger love of the fact that you're you're going into a familiar place. You're going to obviously exactly. be bombarded potentially with a ton of John Hughes uh, movie references. And, and references that like I that mean, you get that I get because on it like <laughs> there's been a lot of references in the course of the two books where it's like, I don't know what these are. And then I'd have to like go watch them, like Brazil. But the John Hughes films a, a fair number of a fair number of them, you know, I've been watching long before, you know, I didn't need the, these, these books to tell me to watch them. Like I grew up watching movies like Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. And breakfast club and, and, and other John, John Hughes classics. Sure. I, so like the, those got, and, and those got them before, like I was watching some of those movies before I was of the age of the characters in the movie. Right. And, and, I, and I still kind of, and I still enjoyed them. So, so I was, I'm super excited to, to go into those chapters with you. And overall, like I, I did enjoy this chap, but more, I think more so than others, because uh, a few things, one, I would say the interaction or the, the playback of the interaction between Kira, Og and uh, Halliday, just, it felt like, I feel like I captured a lot of that kind of like adolescent awkwardness, angst, angst awkwardness, like yeah, those get, moments get, where you can actually feel sort of those raw emotions. Yeah. Like get uh, out of here. I'm like trying to like talk to this girl and, you're, and the friend that doesn't quite either doesn't quite get it, which is not the case or someone who's actively trying to like cock block you. Like, I feel like it, and it's abbreviated as it was, it, it like, I think you can kind of identify with that that interaction a little bit. Oh, and, totally. When he's talking about feeling that the tingling through the skin and that kind of thing. And I was like, man, how long has it been since I've felt that way? I mean, I'm not saying I don't love the people that are in my life now, but, but that's the high, that's the reward that your brain gives you, right? That, that, that is a that, full body a experience. There's a difference uh, between first times and other times. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's it's that reward. It's it has to be a strong drug in your system to pull you out of that awkwardness and make those first moves. And for having done so, and for it to be reciprocated, it's like being injected with the best freaking drugs in the world. And and your skin starts to tingle and you feel high and, and you're just elated. You're bombarded with serotonin and just all the best freaking chemicals in your brain because you did it. You, you, you beat the awkwardness and somebody saw through that and is feeling the same thing you're feeling and you're being rewarded so that you will take that next move. And that's that's when it's the strongest is when we're teenagers, right? When we are awkward and, and we are being provoked by our bodies to move in a direction of, of starting to pay attention to whomever our partner interests will be in the future. And that that movement is just powered by sheer raw brain body drugs. 
I don't, I don't know any, and, and it's addictive, right? It just makes you want to come back for more. And uh, it just, just that little description just kind of, I won't say took me back, but I really had to dig far back to those moments of reward. Uh, and it's just been so long since I've had that, that raw moment of reward because I'm so far past that, so, par, so far past those first moments. And those are unique feelings. I think, to that kind of, of life, that, that time. and you're saying is we're old now and we're boring. What I'm saying is, is that it takes a lot more for me to get high. Yeah, let's just keep going. <laughs> this is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. So anyway, so, so I... Tapping the love vein. It's not gonna do it. I need you. To, I need you to double up on that dose. Exactly. So anyway, so I so I enjoyed reading that interaction and just kind of reminding and the reminiscing of like being that age and like being you know that awkward and all that stuff. But so what what else did I like about this chapter? Well, I'll tell you what I thought was interesting because when I uh, thought about that that sort of high, I then thought about what it would be like for me to have to go back to that time to not just experience those feelings, but to experience how someone else felt about me knowing where it would go and how it would end and the level of torture it would take someone whose relationship started in that place with those strong feelings and ended with one of them dying and that knowing how she felt about him it's like communicating that feeling to him as a message. I really, really did feel this way about you. And, and to have to go through that, to have to re-feel the falling in love with somebody who's passed on, who's, who's died, would just be, it, it would just be like, like splitting it open. And yet some people are trying to do this now, right? Where they have like, these like virtual representations of, of loved ones who have died. And like, it seems, I don't know, whenever I see an article like that, and it's not that often, but it's, it's just weird. I don't, I, 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 I don't know, I guess right now, without doing much more research into it, I would say like, I don't feel like that's a healthy part of the healing process, but. I, I think it is. Cause there's nothing that quite, I say nothing, but like this definitely crosses that nothingness but i'm going to say it for today there there's nothing that's going to fool you into believing that you are sitting with that person that you're talking with that person there's nothing wrong with for example having a photo book and going and revisiting the memories because part of celebrating somebody who's passed is keeping them alive in you but to be subjected to the experiences from the other person's perspective that's that's a that's a that crosses the line. That's a, a sure. whole other level, I think, of hell. And it kind of goes to explain why earlier in the book, 
know, when they're torturing Og to go and get these crystals, how he's only gone so far. Like how many, how many shards had he picked up before he just said F this? I think another, I think the first, second, and maybe third. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if it was the second or third, but he didn't get very far. But we definitely know that he got this far and that this has to be a whole level of emotional hell. You know, yeah. and I kind of wonder if one of the last shards is going to be her dying and his experience, experiencing that through her. Like, I would avoid that like the fucking plague. Like, there's just no way I could get to the end of something like that. Why would like, anybody program this to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I would wish my own death. I would, I'd be like, just fucking kill me. I don't care about anyone else. I can't do that. Right. To reach that place and know that that's where the memories are leading. So I'm really curious as to what this next shard is going to open up. Huh? And, and, well, and, and maybe that'll actually be the key to what stops Og cold. Well, we'll have to find out when we get on Tremor, I guess. I guess. What else hits you? I really enjoyed the part where the three of them, even though the it started off kind of way down the wrong path, trying to trying to solve the riddle mm-hmm. and their and hearing their thought process, even though I think we all knew it was never gonna be Andy McDowell. No. Like that's just ridiculous. But and you, I think you that, see where their mind like evolves and, and I kinda get that. And if you've seen those movies those characters, those actors, you can kind of feel that ebb and flow and where the logic is leading. But at the end of the day, I mean, when I heard this, I was like, mm, I know exactly where we're going here. I mean, when you heard the riddle? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if I, I, I don't really remember if I knew what it was exactly referring to. I think I, I got there in the next chapter, like, I think a little before it was actually revealed. Well, I had read an article about John Hughes, particularly about Pretty and Pink. I don't know. I read a lot of articles. And what struck me was that Pretty and Pink wasn't supposed to end the way that it ended. And yeah, see that I, that I think, I, and I only, I've I feel like you and Pretty I actually Pink chatted like, about that. We may have, because I, I didn't, I only first saw Pretty and Pink maybe a year and a half ago. Oh. And it, did we do an episode on it? One, I don't, maybe we did. We might have. We I might have just talked about it. Who knows? It's like this is part of the thing. I, I need. I need. I need to get an O and I to record my memory so I can just search and see what the hell I did. But uh, I, yeah, I. I remember like looking up. Like I may. I might have saw like an IMDb kind of trivia about it to kind of mm-hmm. learn about that. But again, like it's a movie I've seen once. I. I don't Obviously, have to... it wasn't hitting you real hard. Well, and like, I, it wasn't something that was like, re- it really wasn't something that struck me in a way that like makes me want to, you know, watch it multiple times that like become more of an expert on it. But you saw it f- once you were done. It was entertaining. You moved on. I get it. I, it's I that mean, kind I'm of not, movie. It's I, mean, I might movie. watch it again. I might watch it again someday, but you know, I'm not rushing. I might have to watch this for the next chapter. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Just to get my head wrapped around it. So. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a good idea, but there's time for that. But uh, outside of the riddle, I I just again I enjoyed their problem solving, and there was one part that kind of bugged me, and it was when he was describing the gameplay with the O and I, and about using hand movements to move your 
to move your body, to, to move like, your to, to moves. I liked this part as a game mechanic. So, but tell me what bugged you about this. So I, I assume you mean like during the fighting where you do like you do a little gesture and then your avatar performs the actual function and you just ride along, right? Yeah. So okay. what I don't understand is like I get how that works with a traditional rig, but with the O and I, I I'm just having trouble translating this because if you say do a little wiggle of your fingers to do a whatever. Mm-hmm. First of all, how do you know that in this game that's the mechanic for making that move? You know what I mean? Because like not all games are going to have the same kind of uh, combination of button presses and joystick moves to like do certain moves, right? So mm-hmm. it's got like you need to have some sort of instruction manual on how to do your moves. Sure. And because it's an O and I, you're not translating physical movements to an avatar the same way you're doing it with like the the haptic rig where like it is designed to take somebody sitting down or lying down in a chair and making them move. Whereas when you're in an O and I, you are just like, you're, you just do. Yeah. Right. I, I get you. So, and I see where that translates weird. And so, uh, so and maybe so, I need to reread that part, but my, well, the way that I interpreted it wasn't that you're actually moving because you're paralyzed, you're asleep. Yeah, you're, you, you are you unconscious. Can. There is no moving. So when I think moving hands, I'm thinking kind of like an inception sort of thing. You are a, a rider in the body of this experience, but that maybe the movement of your hands and whatnot is more a matter of of mentally gesturing within you within the ONI, not you outside of the ONI. And that you moving or making those gestures as a as a writer within the experience, you're making those gestures. Or heck, for all we know. The interface might be visual and you just look off into the corner of your HUD and, oh, those are the moves. Mm, that's the move I want. But I, I I get it. It's kind of fuzzy and it's not very clear yeah. as to exactly what you're moving or where that movement occurs. Does it happen as Kira? Does it happen as Z sitting in the cockpit of Kira? Does that happen in real life? Which it's already been pretty clear that you're not moving in real life. So you're right. That's kind of fuzzy. I love the mechanic, though, because imagine, if you will, that you were going to play Street Fighter. Have you played Street Fighter? If oh, I did a long time on. ago. Oh, no. Dude, I'm the worst. Just <laughs> We're going to go to an arcade together someday soon. Street, All right. But Street Fighter, though, I mean, that's the one that has all kinds of moves. And you've got to, like, move the controller forward, forward, back, back, up, down. A, B, whatever. And you do these sort of combo kicks and moves and shit. If you had to actually perform that in the O&I... You'd be these are te- These are techniques that you'd only be as good as you are, right? And then what's the point? Any Any character that required any sort of muscle memory skills, like playing Street Fighter for real in the O&I... It, it, using an O and I, it, it, how would that work? You would just, you'd be kind of kicking. You might swing your fist a couple of times. It would look horrible. It would look horrible. You would need something to bridge that gap and then to kind of ride along for the punching and the kicking and the flipping and all that shit. Otherwise, you would be just as good as you are. And then what's the point? Right? And especially if as good as you are is shitty. Yes. Especially shitty. Um, 
yeah, so I I, I kind of like the game mechanic. I just but there's some confusion. Like I'm confused. Your interpretation of it was different than my interpretation of it, and even my interpretation of it's kind of fuzzy. But so I feel like there's like a few steps missing to kind of go from these mo- movements or voice. I mean, even the voice commands thing. It's like you know, you're gonna say roundhouse the. You gotta yeah, know the you've gotta know the crane words. Tec- crane technique. Yeah, exactly. And you would have to know the words. And how weird would that be if you're in the midst of this experience where your character's just calling out these moves and then doing them? That's so odd. Exactly. So it's, like so I, I want more detail on how this works, or I want someone to explain to me an interpretation of it that helps me make sense of it all. Hopefully the movie embraces this piece and goes into how that works. I mean, and I say how that works because what, and what I'm really interested here is we're going to be there someday. And it's not going to be in the next year, but we're moving in the direction where virtual reality is going to play a more important role in our interaction, not just through video games, but through business. It's much like the Internet. The Internet's not just about video games. The Internet's about business. It's about porn. It's mostly porn, but business. and. It, it's going to be important. We're, it's gonna. It's going to step up to this level. So it's really interesting to hear what a person has to think from a narration about how we might get there, how we might bridge some of these experiences. I don't think we're going to be recording anybody's minds anytime soon. But I think, like, if you're playing VR from within a character, and your character does some really cool kick-ass shit you want to be able to figure out how to bridge that, you know, and the deeper we go with this, the more hands-off it's going to be. So maybe it's a mind control kind of thing. We kind of, we, we look over at Elon Musk, who's creating chips for the brain that you'll be able to insert. You'll be able to listen to music. You'll be able to, to, to turn on and off the lights in your house, that kind of shit. That's where that's going. That's where that part of the business is That's all cute. I want to be able to download it. And data to like learn languages and do kung fu and like do oh, some real oh. matrix shit. Oh, dude, I'm, that's, that's what I want. Yes, I agree. Like, I want to learn that shit super I, fast, and then I want to be able to do it in real life yes, without killing I, myself. I've gotten I've gotten Amazon dot device. I don't need my brain to turn the lights on. I got I got something for that. You got that. I, that's covered. Finessed brain control is going to be a thing. And then that that's probably closer than anything that this book is presenting. But aside from that, though, I, I think that that's I, I would like to see that translated into the movie. So something I did notice, though, and I want to take a I want to take a slight aside from the conversation of Kung Fu, Kung Fu in the brain. OK. Is that I noticed that there was a lot of misdirection in this chapter. Explain. Well, as they're going through. They're kind of like, wow, so Halliday made it so that she kicked his ass? Why would he do that? Oh, well, he must have just learned how much of an ass he was and then incorporated it into it, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, really? And then later down later down the road there, Og says that Halliday was never really interested in who Kira was, which is a pretty harsh thing to say about somebody who's your pal, your childhood friend. But then somebody says, well... Halliday must have known more than he let on. And what I'm feeling like is that there are these questions in our brain about who would have created these shards, who would have had a number of these sort of 
subtle nuances about Kira because they go into how Og's books, Og's interviews really don't go into the kind of detail that these memories are showing us. Yeah, that's the kind of book I would write. And it's very vague. And, and when you experience a lot of pain, you tend to move away from the surface. You know, like you tend to move away from the heart of that. Like you just brush the surface because to go any de to go any deeper is to go into pain, right? Into those memories, end up going back and 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 missing that person all over again. So they bring up a lot of these points, like. Would Halliday ever have designed something like this where his ass gets kicked and he looks like a complete idiot? Well, not an idiot, but an asshole. Not just a jackass. Hit, right? Like a 16-year-old toddler. Yeah, like a 16-year-old toddler who then gets his ass kicked quite easily, it seems, by Kira. Like, again, like we talked about this in the last chapter, but I, I keep getting this feeling like the perspective is nestled within Kira. And they touch on that in this chapter. Like they touch on, we think we know what's going on, right? We don't have absolute proof. We got a lot of questions to ask, but they do touch on it. I, I feel like the book overall has been very good about making you or misdirecting you or mm -hmm. as far as like who actually created these this challenge. It, it feels like there's this assumption that it has to have been Halliday. But then it like throws you into things like, well, well then how, how does... How do we have a Kira memory like this? And then they start discussing, like, well, how could there was no way that could be? Is it a simulation? Can you simulate someone else's memory like that way? Dip, dip. And, what, and like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some of my old notes uh, from when I was reading this on the fly, and like, I see the questioning, like, well, could this, like, this seems like this could have been done by Og, or this could have been done by Kira. Like, this is really strange. Right. So at the end of this chapter, I'm left scratching a number of itches. Again, who put her into the Oasis? Why would her soul be split? Like, where's the interest in that, right? Why would all of this be triggered once the O&I sold 7 million headsets, right? Like, what... what who who does this interest to not have her already being part of the oasis? Why does this have to trigger? Yeah, right. Like like who because, stuck because, this together? So so if we if you move under the presumption that it was Halliday that stole her consciousness and also created this challenge to put the seven you know the seven shards together, bring her soul back together and presumably make her whole and become a person in the oasis. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck would you do that? Why? Why would you bring back somebody who didn't obviously didn't like you? Forget even and, that. But why, why would you make a challenge that may or may not be solved to unlock and, and bring this person back to life so further down the road when you can just be like, all right, well, I, I've, I've copied this person. Like, I want to enjoy that person now. I got to start convincing them to like me now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like, well, like, like, it doesn't make sense that this idea of, well, we'll just bring her back and then hit, and then Halliday will just wear her down with time. It, it's kind of like if, if it, it's kind of like if, <laughs> what? If, if at breakfast you made your lunch and then you said, you know what? I'm going to 
break my lunch up into seven equal pieces and then create a challenge for my for someone else to find it in order for me to eat my lunch. What? Yes, it's exactly. That's a perfectly good example. Why would why would somebody? You know what? At, why would somebody at, do that to themselves? At lunchtime, I'm fucking hungry. Yeah, and, I want and that the, sandwich. And the more I think about the experiences Og would have to go through in order to put her back together, the more I feel like it isn't Og either. The more I feel like that this is Kara trying to save the world. Like maybe she invented the technology and maybe how they stole it from her and then implemented it later in full-blown force, right? Maybe this was her figuring out through their education systems a new technology for incorporating education into the mind. And then it got taken and transformed into Maybe she put herself in. I, I don't know. I'm itchy with questions after this chapter. There's creams for that. Yeah. Topical creams. Yeah. All right. Well... well I thought this was, I thought this was a fun chapter. It was. Yeah. There were there were points where I really felt like it was an extension of the first book. Sleuthy. Yes. Yes. And, we're back into the sleuthy myth. And I'm, as I said before, I'm just. I was super excited to get to Shermer. It was, and yeah, I I can't wait till we can do the next chapter. Well, let's do that then, man. Let's wrap it up. Are you yeah. good? I'm good. All right, let's get into that next chapter. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. We will catch you in the next chapter. Thanks. Thanks.